but but I haven't watched the 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 show in itself no. Well, I think season two, um, I think it was season two or season three, they have a similar thing where um, an army have a hostage who's the son of the leader of the other, the opposing army, who's a woman, and they're like, we have your son, we'll kill him if you don't surrender your castle, mm-hmm. and she's like, she stands up and says, fuck you all, and like, <laughs> flashes her fanny, and oh, is like, look at me, I can have ten sons, kill him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Vassals of King's Grave, and this is Wolfcast Edition, so the part-timers of the, the podcast crews. My name is Glenn, I am Dago Shreffers from the Podcast Base and Fire Forums, and I am delighted to be joined by Matthew. Hi, Beric on the forums. We will be reviewing episode 7 of Game of Thrones. I had to look it up because I forgot the, the title, but it's The Broken Man. <laughs> yeah, several broken men in this episode, in fact. <laughs> So, uh, shall we start with lemon cake ratings first? Yeah, sure. I myself, I would give it, I mean, I think I'm one of the few who gave it 4.5 because to me, the only scene that was maybe a bit strange was the Arya scene, even though I enjoy where the story is going. It was a bit strangely uh, edited or choreographed. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, there was something a bit off about it. Uh, but apart from that, I enjoyed everything else about the episode, to be honest. Um, lots of good books for stuff from uh, Jamie that I enjoy. Um, the, um, you know, the, the scenes in in the Riverlands were actually quite quite nice also because they, they for me, thematically embody what the, what the books were about. You know, that, what is this whole idea of, of uh, peaceful... You know the idea, striving towards peaceful living and, and etc. And to me, overall, I I'd say it's one of the the better episodes this season. I would say it's a uh, yeah, it, it it had fewer faults than than I think um, you know people would say of the last episode of uh, episode six. But I you know generally I enjoyed all the episodes so far to some to some degree. I mean, but this one is probably in the top tier of the season for me. I felt that, um, I guess, of the episodes for this season, it's been the, the one I've least enjoyed. Or, well, maybe, yeah. So probably this one would be a three for me, three out of five lemon cakes. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I guess I didn't enjoy the story as much. I didn't like the flow of the episodes. Um, but there, there were some great moments in it, just nothing is exciting as other episodes um so what you were saying about Arya as well i thought that that was maybe uh maybe a nod to the fans of the book you know how there's the theory about her you know warging and changing shape and you know changing into different animals that maybe that's that explains how she disappears in the, the river and you know materializes again so i liked that part i liked um storyline with King's Landing as always and um, trying to overthrow the, well I guess the, the High Sparrow outsmarting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that was quite fine because the last week people were wondering like is she faking it? Is she like has she actually converted or not? And so um, 
if the character I mean if the character was played so well in that sense that that shows the strength of the of the story I think because in this case it was revealed that she actually has not completely converted to the to the faith of the seven so um but she she apparently is is playing them as best as she can because she's adaptable so um I would say she's sort of just riding the the riding the the on on the flow so so to speak she's just trying to to uh keep on top of everything whilst also trying to to uh, make her own moves um which you know we'll see where it, where it goes I have a suspicion as to where the, the king's standing story is headed based on what we saw in this episode so um but maybe we can dis- discuss that at the end maybe if people want yep. to you know, remain into what's coming next what mm-hmm. we're setting yeah. up of course for the big battle scene for episode 9 so we get get to see John again and Santa and also we do see um, the different houses right so yeah um, exactly the different houses and the backstory with that but what I was going to say is the hound is back <laughs> ah yes the the you know the the cold opening that they do so rarely um which I, you know, I think was was quite quite nice. Um, although, I mean, I've seen some people who say, "Well, is is this deserving of 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 that?" I would say it it is because otherwise you would see his name in the credits, and that might ruin something. You know, it might just be that they wanted to to make sure that people weren't going to be spoiled by looking at the names in the credits before actually seeing him on screen. Which, in this case, it worked. Very well, in my opinion. That. So it was. You're right. That can be, you know, a big spoiler. It's like, um, you know, how they back twenty years ago when Seven was released and they held off on revealing Kevin Spacey's name in the credits. Mm-hmm. They left him to the the closing credits to not give away the the ending. And yeah. it's sort of a similar thing that you've. I've watched so many episodes, so many repeats of the episodes as well that. Just like the name flashes up on screen and I know who it is. So you're right, that would be a big spoiler if I'd just suddenly seen, um, well, Mark Addy or someone that we know is dead, but then if that character was to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's actually, to me, it's... I mean, Ian McShane hasn't been exactly um, subtle in what he's t- been talking... I mean, when he t- talked about the sh- show... If, uh, in, in the last couple of months, like he was saying, well, I'm I'm playing this 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 war veteran who is bringing back a beloved character that everyone thinks is dead. So, um, some people who didn't read the books at first thought he was going to bring John back by some in some fashion, but uh, yeah, most people had guessed that he was playing the uh, Septon, um, who is um, a sort of an amalgamation of the elder brother and Septon Maribald, I think. So that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that, I mean, some people have said maybe that they wished the speech was in there. Um, and given that this is Brian Cogman, who is sort of, you know, a, a very big fan of the books and who knows these these storylines in and out, you might assume maybe that they were going to use the language of the speech in the episode itself. But to me, it it you know, as long as it's thematically similar, I don't necessarily need to have the written words from the page on screen so i mean it's a nice touch 
and the title of the of the episode refers to it, but I'm not I'm not sure that I actually needed to have the speech in there, um, because I did, um, I did hear some rumblings, and I'm sure I've listened to a few podcasts that spoiled the fact that he would be back anyway, so it wasn't a surprise. But even if I didn't listen to those podcasts, then we we have read the books, so we do. Yes. I mean, there is a big fury that the hound is still alive, and that he was the grave digger that. Brianne met on her travels, so I would I would expect him to be back anyway. Well, it does lead you to think: what will happen with that trial? When will they show it? Uh, what will happen? Yeah, so let's talk about that because we we are we have some King's Landing scenes as well, and obviously, uh, yes, the mountain is also uh, in one of those scenes at least. You know, even though he's just standing in the back, we we just sort of. You know, we're constantly reminded that he's there. It's sort of like Cersei's spirit animal following Cersei's around. Cersei's bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and so we had this this scene where, um, of uh, I mean, uh, the high the high sparrow talks to Madri and so wants her to to uh, conceive a child with with Tommen because obviously it it would be much easier for the high sparrow to sort of try to get a get a child sort of indoctrinated into the faith then having to to deal with the parents and then you know at some point it's just a a sort of generational thing where you know this this sort of that's how how their social values get passed down essentially and so he wants to cement his idea of the faith uh, within the uh within the royal institution so it's it's um actually quite a you know quite a devious plan but uh, and it's also important because he he gets revealed to be a big misogynist because apparently women don't need to enjoy sex they just need to have patience yeah they just so, need to suffer for it and endure it <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know but we knew that when he uh when we had the sh- walk of shame last year it's just that people weren't necessarily given all the context but i think like in retrospect now looking back at it it makes more sense once you've seen this so um that's that's at least very important in terms of the books as well. That's the, that the faith is is basically punishing women for, you know, just being who they are. Essentially, it's it's not really anything to do with what they with what they do, because men do some of the same things, but they don't get punished in the same way. So, um, and in this case, the high sparrow is sort of threatening Olena, um, which I found. Very interesting, given that we had a scene between them last season. It surprised me that she actually feared the high, the high sparrow, and she recognized how clever he was, or how much in control of the situation. And she stopped and realized that he's he's outsmarted, you know, Cersei. Not that that was hard, <laughs> and he's outsmarted, <laughs> you know, Marjorie, and he's now got Thoris in prison, and that she could be next as well. And that's why she has to get the hell out of there, out of the city. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, essentially what she also says to Cersei that you know she she wants to leave before he decides to throw into a black into a into a cell or something like that. But I I know I, I know that some people don't necessarily dig the King's Landing storyline because they it's they think it's slow or they don't know what the point of it is. You know, having you know these religious uh, zealots in charge. You know, but um, I can see. Uh, where that might be headed, and it's uh, and and yeah. Once again, we'll talk about that at the end. I love it. It's my favorite part of the the series, the books, the 
show. I just love the the King's Landing, the characters involved with that as well. So I mm. don't know how you could not like it. <laughs> no, it's just because they they. I mean, people generally like when when you talk. Uh, I mean, it's it's to me it's it's also very interesting because I I like the I I mean it it feels much more like um uh like a medieval conflict that you would that you would see like you know the the this twelfth century argument you know is the the Catholic Church uh and the Pope are they more powerful than uh the than than the kings or the um, emperors you know that sort of thing this this sort of uh, idea of of uh, the power of the faith and the power of the of the state um that's actually a you know a, a very real historical conflict we got a showdown with um the queen of horns and cersei so cersei tries mm-hmm. to you know yeah. try and make peace making peace with with cersei in cersei's mind is always like yeah at the end i get what i want cersei approached um olena tried to you know suggest they work together try and get Flores and Marjorie out of this imprisonment, try and get, you know, Tommen away from the High Sparrow's influence and, you know, work together with their armies, but then Elena's having none of it and she's out of the city, she's writing her uh, final letter and requests and leaving and then so it's a it's a great scene between the two of them anyway. <laughs> yes, especially because this time it's not any any veiled threats or anything like that. It's it's just Elena being completely honest about what she what she thinks of Cersei, you know, uh, when she says, you know, sometimes I wonder if you're the the worst person I've ever met, and that, it's it's actually you know quite accurate to to how you know it's 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 basically everything is Cersei's fault, so she she is right to feel this way, and Cersei has never been anything but uh, arrogant and belittling towards the Tyrells and in. You know, in every in every respect. So, for her to now come to Elena because she feels that they can they can work it out together, it, it feels like that's also another miscalculation on on Cersei's part because she doesn't realize how how she has antagonized these people to. I mean, and how aware they are of that. You know, the Queen of Thorns has the best line of the episode. I thought when she said that. Um, you've lost Cersei, and in all of this misery, it's the only bright side I can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that was that was wonderful. Also, because it's you know it's an open acknowledgement because that it was also Cersei who said to to uh, Eddard, you know, in the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. There is no middle ground. And so when Olena says to her, you know, you've lost, that's essentially uh, saying to Cersei, yeah, at some point, they're, they're, no one's going to need you, and no one's going to miss you. Uh, when you're no longer here, so they they might they might just be coming for you, and that's it. You you don't have any allies to help you. I I think next episode we might you know at some point we we have to get to her trial, right? We have to. They have see dragged how that out throughout this entire season. I guess they yeah, have to do that with like big storylines. It's it's I think uh, Brian Cogman he talked about uh i mean at least in an interview for this week he talked uh, in on uh, ew he talked about um time passing on the show and he said you know in some storylines uh time passes faster than in other storylines um and that's just because that's just for structural reasons because if they were trying to align each and every storyline for example the the northern storyline with john and sansa might be going at a faster pace than for instance in king's landing but that is because if they were trying to align each and every every thing 
that happens, you know, uh, in a in a chronological order that that sort of uh, plays out in the same times in the same time frame, then the pacing would suffer enormously. John and Sansa traveling throughout the north, meeting all the big northern houses and asking for their support in yeah. the battle it, against the Boltons. And so. it's in, and it's interesting that the um, wildlings are you know much much more ready to support them than anyone from the noble houses and that's it's probably because the wildlings know better than the the northern houses what what is what what the ultimate problem is going to be that's going to be the white walkers right so and after all that build up with um, of course the great scene between Liana Mormon and mm-hmm. um, John and Sansa and you know a 10-minute scene or however, however however long it was and at the end of it they get 62 people yeah no but that's you know that's i mean at least it, it's it seems realistic and it also explains why sansa makes the decisions she makes at the end of the of, of the story this yes this episode the raven to little finger uh, i was wondering about that does she send it to robin aaron or does she send it to Littlefinger? Oh. Like, could I mean because there's a there, there might be a difference even though she, she, uh, in at least in her mind although you know in practice Robin Aaron is so under Littlefinger's thumb that basically it doesn't really matter that much um, but well, she's not aware of that it, at least at least to this extent she wouldn't know that how how strong his his influence over Robin Aaron is I would um, I suspect that they might be setting up a battle sequence similar to Blackwater. Where in that episode, so season two, episode nine, where we thought all hope was lost, and then yeah. at the end, the Tyrell army come in at the end to save the day. That mm-hmm. it might be similar with the Vale coming at the last minute to yeah. actually, you know, turn the tide on the battle. Um, that's a good story twist because at least then, you know, at least to other people, Littlefinger looks like a big hero, and so he has much more. Um, support than you would normally have, um, and yeah, so that to me that that's where I see the potential of it. Yeah, it's exciting um, to see. <laughs> well, the other big storyline would be the Hound. We get reintroduced to him, the cold opening that you mentioned before, and building a sept. Yep, that that's what I was going to say. So when we see that, and you know, you see all the people like building, you know, of course the sept. I thought it was. You know, the storyline from... I thought it was the Ironborn building ships. <laughs> oh, well, that's... that's the, the show wanted to give his ideas a lot of weight, so they gave the role to a, to a well-known, well-respected actor who could sort of make these ideas feel important, um, because they are, actually. You know, this this idea that you renounce violence... Uh, no matter, I mean, that you, you sort of have to be principled and help other people and, you know, that you have a choice in the matter and that, you know, it's, it's, and he, he doesn't speak from a point of, um, let's say from, from um, naivete. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's naive because both he and the Hound recognize what the likely outcome is. It's just that they, they reach a different conclusion as to what they are supposed to do in this situation. So I, I, I really... He, um... You know, he says the greater power. He doesn't say faith in the seven. He doesn't say he doesn't choose a god to have faith in. He just says that, Sandor, you're here for a reason. You didn't die for a reason. And he's not pointing to the old gods or the seven. He's just saying for some 
purpose. purpose. You were here. Uh, you're still yeah. here, and you will do something great. Uh, that's so. That's a great message as well. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's always been. I mean, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. If, I mean, there, there are lots of lots of characters who could fulfill a certain a certain prophecy, but uh, you know, it would be ironic if <laughs> Sunday again turns out to be the warrior of light, um, born amid salt and smoke. I'm not sure. Um, it's also interesting that he that the Septon uh, tells to tells the people in the community it's not actually about the gods. It's about yourself. It's you know uh, you make the choices. You uh, you answer your own prayers. It's not waiting for some deity to step into your life and you know help you out. You have to uh, sort of try to realize your your potential your yourself. Um, and it is a nice contrast to the High Sparrow, who is sort of like very you know who thinks he knows what the gods are saying and who judges other people by the way they live their lives and. This this septon here is the complete opposite. Well, talking about characters that have returned, well, we've not seen them for like two episodes anyway. So we've got Theon and Yara are back, but suddenly mm-hmm. in Volantis and yeah, making their escape plan, trying to get as far away from Euron as possible, and they've, they've stolen his idea as well. They're going to meet Daenerys yeah, herself. We do not so actually refers also to copyright. It's, it looks like, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, we still we steal all your shit, especially your ideas. So I know they stole his best um, ships, and they're going to steal his plan to meet Daenerys yeah. first, and you know try and make some pact with her. And their bargain is that they get the iron, they get of course Pike thrown in, and then she, they'll help her get of course the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a Quentin esque. Uh, quest, uh, which we shall. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if one of them got roasted, um, oh, or if bo- oh, maybe yes. both of them. Uh, I mean, that that would be uh, sort of a nice, nice touch to sort of mix two different storylines into one. Um, I I think it's you know it's important to to realize. I mean, because generally when when you try to talk to someone who has mental uh, psychological problems, so then you know the the idea of of suggesting them. You know, if you can't if you can't come back, just kill yourself. It's probably not the best therapy. Um, That's like what but... Duncan was saying a few um the last Wolfcast episode. He was saying that it's like such a contrast. So you've got the warm, loving relationship between Sansa and John, and then you've got the really horrible, you know, distant, cold relationship between Theon and. Yara. <laughs> I wouldn't and say it's, it's. I wouldn't say it's. It's cold. It's. It's just. It feels much more. It feels a bit harsher. Like they. They are. They are rougher. Pe- the Ironborn are rougher people, and this is probably as affectionate as they get. So, so I would say you know it could be that you know this is just how she is trying to to sort of show her show her affection for Theon. It's just that to everyone else. Uh, you know, uh, you know, surrounding them, it's it feels like you know a very harsh way of of looking at uh, looking it's, at things. It's tough love. Yeah, tough love. Um, I'm not really fond of the the cat the characters or the storyline, but I really love the actors. So both Fionn yeah. and Jara, mm-hmm. and I always enjoy listening to the audio commentaries they do as well on the DVDs. They're just so hilarious. Um, like <laughs> they did um season two episode two, the one where. Fionn's Fionn meets her and like she's he doesn't know it's his sister 
so they reviewed that episode and mm-hmm. like, I, I must have listened to that commentary like 10 times <laughs> <laughs> so the um I, i'm i'm sure i've seen the actress in something else as well maybe like this british show called shameless i think she was in that and um... oh, could be uh i haven't seen anything else um i know i've seen Afi, i've seen Afi allen in other things like uh, john wick with the keanu reeves he played the villain in that oh yeah <laughs> um yeah, so that I mean, at least you know, Alfie Allen's going places. They are very good together. I feel like you know the f- um, having them interact is is uh, much more interesting. I mean, given I mean, how how do you I mean, what uh, what are your thoughts on Victorian like on the, in the books? Like, um, do you think that having them sort of replicate it, it, sort of? I think for is, simplicity, is... it's better to do that. That mm. um, you know, it's better to condense the story because there might only be another season left of the show maybe one or two seasons left so it's good to condense it and use the characters they have already instead of introducing new characters so you were saying that um daria scene was a bit weird for you is that right uh yeah because last episode ended with her sort of blowing out the candle um in you know wherever she was and the implication was that she was trying, going to try to get the wave probably uh, in the dark. Uh, and then now she's dressed uh, differently and, and trying to, I mean, obviously she has, she has to hire a ship, you know, that, that, that part to me was always clear. It's just that um, she was a bit, uh, not, not necessarily very uh, careful in, in how she uh, approached things, but it's also likely that she just, uh, let her guide down for a second, uh, trying to to sort of have a last look at the city that she that she tried so desperately to get to, only to get away from it again. And then you know the wave shows up, disguises an old woman, and stabs her. Um, you know that's it, it was a bit it was a bit weird because you know people were likely I mean people were likely expecting her to be more on her guard essentially once she had betrayed the House of Black and White. So we you know. Um, yeah, it I sort mean, of felt like a scene from a sitcom. So, as in, like the transformation from the old lady, like the sweet old lady, then she becomes, you know, the waif. Um, so, like, I feel like I've seen that in shows like Ugly Betty and like a dozen comedies where, like, you uh, see a character and then it's actually an, a hallucination or like a disguise and then it's someone else or it's like a dream sequence. But mm. it, I felt it was strange that. Arya was just like so eager to get away at that point that she, well, she probably realized that she was in trouble. <laughs> so at like... the same time, I feel like the way she was dressed was also interesting because she looked a lot, li- a lot like Eddard. I felt like, you know, in the way that she was sort of carrying herself and that sort of thing. It felt, it felt like she was looking a bit more. I mean, her her hair and that sort and that sort of thing. I, I felt she looked much. I mean, much more like Eddard Stark. Than, than she probably herself realized. And that would be ironic given that she was just, you know, <laughs> uh, stabbed by someone in the, you know, literally backstabbed by, by someone. Um, so I, I think visually, at least some clues are there sort of to speak to, uh, to, speak to us about the fact that Arya likely doesn't, didn't realize until now that, you know, the danger that she was in. But it turns out now that essentially everyone around her is potentially a faceless man trying to kill her. And so she, who, I mean, she, she has no one to confide in. And the fact that 
she essentially i mean that's essentially how she uh wanted it right she she's sort of trying to to live on her by herself trying to get you know her revenge by herself you know not really make any friends and that sort of thing and then that's 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 how you know essentially when you are isolated that's that's how you feel right and it to me it was also interesting when she when she got out of the water and started walking down the street essentially it it felt a lot like you know the the walk of shame of all things of I, I did fear when it happened and it was just so quick that Arya appears on the scene and then she's suddenly stabbed by the old lady which I could see coming anyway but <laughs> <laughs> I just um, felt that because I heard um, the dragon cast talking about um, yeah, what if we still see Arya, but it's Arya's face because she's been murdered by the wave and the wave just uses her face. <laughs> I thought, oh no, it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I mean, next, I mean, it's, it's, I think next episode we'll, we'll probably get a resolution on that um, because they, they can't leave us with this until episode 10, I feel. That's, that's going to be too long. Um, they have to address it at some point. <laughs> I think um, like Bran episode five that that was resolved the next episodes that will be similar so start mm-hmm. of next episodes it'll focus on aria um but we'll have to wait and see where it goes i i i think to me the the aria storyline has been um uh, you know it's it's been a re-examination of aria as a person because she has been sort of you know the first couple of seasons she was about all about revenge and then she is being forced to abandon this this idea of getting getting even with the world right and so um at I'm least surprised how much she's been featured this season as well because last season it was maybe three episodes that she was in and then this one a lot more you know uh, yeah yeah continuous um, like storyline for her which i'm i'm glad of because i like i really enjoy watching her character too Mm-hmm. I think I can, you know, to me, it's it's not about Arya doing something, you know, extraordinary or something like that. Sometimes I enjoy slower paced episodes and, and episodes that, that have mainly character building moments in them. So to me, for example, all that stuff with the theater group was, was sort of very interesting. And um, it's it's also lucky that this is the, the people that Arya will try to find now that she's been stabbed. I think she's she's going to ask Lady Crane to sort of help her out. Um, whether or not that's successful remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, that seems the most likely uh, place she could go right now, because that's the only person she connected with. Lady Crane wanted Arya to join the theatre troupe and become an actress. Yeah. So I mean. I could see it happening like that, but uh, it might also be that the plan goes awry in some fashion and the wave shows up at some point and I might need to get out. Uh, or, you know, I, it's, you know, I, 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 you know, it's, 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 it, that, that's, that's actually the thing that I like about the story is that I don't exactly know where, where it's going to be, how it's going to resolve. Like in some of these stories, you might have an idea of how, you know, how this problem is going to get overcome. But in Aya's case, it seems like, you know, she has a whole, she has created a whole problem for herself that she is unable to get herself away from. Oh, we didn't discuss the Riverlands. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was actually a book plot. You know, that's that's actually quite quite important. Uh, yeah, I love that, that, the fact that they're, you know, 
bringing in material which haven't has not been covered yet on the show and this is like um, chapters from A Piece for Crows as well so I love that and the interaction between Jamie and the Blackfish as well so the, the scene starts out with the phrase trying to the phrase hang, trying Edmure. To hang Edmure. Edmure Chully <laughs> who, gets uh, the, who always gets the bad end of the stick in everything right he doesn't I mean he has to uh, correct Rob's mistake and then he is captured and put in prison and now they almost hang him with you know his uncle sort of sanctioning it and saying well he's marked for death anyway so just hang him Jamie is so right they should have just hung you know um, followed out with the fret or well not make the fret in the first place because yeah, then it the... weakens their position if you go back on that and you know say we'll do it we've got a We'll shoot them, we'll hang them, we'll do whatever, and then they don't do it. Yeah, it's it's you know that's but that's the essentially the phrase they they don't have any leverage. They did I mean they they have just they just have Edmure in the books too, and so they they don't they don't get anywhere because the Blackfish essentially is ready to sacrifice his nephew um, because he feels that there's you know it's just tough luck, right? It's it's not really. Um, he, 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 his nephew is not worth get, giving up the castle and, and you know, um, es- essentially uh, subjugating the Tullys to the to the phrase. So that's you know, um, I do enjoy uh, Bron and Jamie smacking the phrase around because <laughs> they are sort of pathetic in a way that they that they have no say whatsoever in their own lives, right? You know, at home, their father is sort of the one who calls the shots and here they're sort of completely useless <laughs> and they, they just don't don't get anywhere. It's like we're, you know, they're definitely trying to set the stage for that thing to happen that we discussed earlier. Oh, yep, indeed. Mm. Um, which, I mean, it, it, it's also important that, you know, there was a hanging involved at the end of this episode. When we know who in the books likes to hang people. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, I mean, the phrase that we see in this episode, they might not be here for long. I'm just saying. P.S. I would love to be as cool as the, the Blackfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't really have any, any facts to give. So um, that's, that's, just how, how, that's just how he be. Would All be that f- we've seen so far is really making me want to go back and read A Feast for Crows as well. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, a because lot of the, the scene... scenes that we've seen in, you know, the episodes this season of the show. Yeah, no, I, I have an affection for the for the book, even though I don't think it. I mean, A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons live up to the same standard as the first three books. I think there there are some elements that I enjoy. I'm one of the rare people who enjoyed the Brienne chapters in A Feast for Crows. Uh, because I know that lots of people say, well, she's just wandering around aimlessly, not really uh, getting anywhere <laughs> until the very last chapters. Um, By the way, have you ever watched The Borgias? Um, no, uh, but I've, I've, I mean, I've seen clips of it, you know, some, some, but not, but I haven't watched the, 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 the show in itself, no. Well, I think season two, um, I think it was season two or season three, they have a similar thing where, um, an army have a hostage who's the son of the leader of the other, the opposing army, who's a woman, and they're like, "We have your son. We'll kill him if you don't surrender your castle." Mm-hmm. And she's like, she stands up and says, "Fuck you all!" And like, <laughs> flashes 
for Fanny. <laughs> and oh, he's yeah. like, look at me. I can have ten sons. Kill them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's... Uh... So that reminded me of... Oh, yeah. Uh, could you be, know, yeah, Borges some... when I was watching, you know, the, the scenes with Edmure and, like, how the Blackfish is like, kill them. Just kill them anyway. <laughs> Even though the Borges, they... I mean, the, the show, from what I understand, it came out in 2009 first, was it? Um, I think it might have been the same time as, time as Game of Thrones, so 2011. Oh, yeah, okay, because uh, I, then I would still say that A Feast for Crows did it first. Because <laughs> it's a... Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, actually quite... Uh, I mean, it, that, that would be a, a good conflict to have, sort of, in general. If you have a siege, you make it interesting that way, right? You have to give the... A besieging army sort of a kind of leverage that they could try to use and then you know either it succeeds or it doesn't but this probably is a good place to to end on right yep exactly um <laughs> so of course we've done this one now so episode seven i think i was thinking about doing maybe like um episode nine or episode ten but then i thought i've not checked my schedule yet on yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. if i'll be able to do it yet but I was thinking of maybe like the next one, like the final one, would be just a season six overview review episode. So not doing any more episode reviews, but doing a season review. Oh, oh, do you mean like so that because then we are much more at at liberty to sort of decide when we are going to record so yeah, that everyone exactly. is available. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea uh, because then we also have. Uh, the season as a whole to look back on and see how everything played out so far and we can sort of we don't necessarily have to say let's wait and see we can we can all just say you know how how we felt things were handled yeah the the only thing that we uh that we didn't really get to talk about was because i I had my suspicions about where the king's landing storyline was going to go and i think that it also harkens back to the vision that Bran had in episode six of uh, the Mad King and the Wildfire. Ah, yes. Because the the caches of wildfire are still beneath the city. Um, so if Cersei was really desperate, I'd say that's how you know she could try to solve a problem, even though that would not be a good solution. <laughs> but it would be a very Cersei-esque move to to just blow up everything, and yeah. If she can't be, if he can't be in charge of this of the city, then probably she thinks no one else can. So, um, I mean, um, that that's, that sounds like a likely scenario, and also probably the reason why they showed us the wildfire in episode six. Oh, I feel like going back and watching that scene again, but it's so quick, it's really hard to see anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, people assume that it's that the 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 stuff with the Mad King was there because uh, they they want Bran to sort of go into the past and see that vision you know but i don't think that it's actually something that brian is going to explore this season at least so um might be that they explore it next season but um you know we we might i think we might get tower of joy before we get something with the mad king because that's more important so you know episode i'm i'm, I, I'm gonna say it now probably in episode 10 we're going to see the resolution of the tower of joy Ah, perfect. Um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just because I thought, you know, might be a good place to sort of speculate as to where things go uh, in King's Landing because there are enough, there's enough evidence in this episode to suggest that this is exactly what Cersei is going to do because Lady Olena sort of says, you, know, you have thousands of enemies. What are you going to do? Are you going to just kill them all? And 
I, I fear that this is exactly what Ceci is going to do. Ah. Yeah. So oh, well, thank you but, for joining me, Matthew, for this yes, review. And thank everyone out there that have listened <laughs> to the podcasts. And mm-hmm. possibly I, next um, episode would be a season six overview episodes. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. Uh, so I guess this is where we say to the listeners. <laughs> Uh, see you next time, please I guess. Come back. <laughs> yeah, please, please come back. Yeah, please listen to us. <laughs> no, but um, anyway, uh, so uh, do you have any other podcasts that you're going to do in a, in the next couple of weeks, maybe? Or is there something? Oh, the thing. So usually I, you know, I quickly try and release it within a few days and, you know, before the next episode of Game of Thrones. But then there's sort of, I guess with scheduling of like a few episodes like i think that i it seems like about 10 episodes of like different shows are being produced at the moment and then we've got the 300 episode as well which i'm oh yeah mm-hmm. i took part in so that's coming out soon as well so i don't want to which one was that about what was what was that about this this uh, the 300 episode well the 300 episode it just had um, a lot of the long time hosts and they talked about you know, their favourite moments, what they felt about the podcast, why they keep doing it each time. And a few other things, like a few little, um, you know, favourite moments or like a clip show of past episodes as well. Ah, oh, wonderful. So that so would be a nice callback. I don't want to, you know, release it and... No, no, of course. Oh, yeah, that, that no, one I has mean, priority. sort of like, um, so 300, that has to be the 300th episode, but then I don't want to release mine as 301 and then someone else does theirs as 301 because ah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what mm-hmm. yeah no then then that would mean you have to you would have to co- co- I mean coordinate with with you yeah. know, the other hosts and stuff yeah okay I, 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 yeah um I, I see um but yeah so so um then let's let's uh, uh probably uh, agree to to meet again in a couple of weeks yep definitely and uh, good luck with uh, editing the other yep. podcasts. I'll try. <laughs> Hopefully the recorder didn't let us down this time. I hope uh, so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.